Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out MagicalMysteryCamp.com slash HelpingFriendly to learn more. Osiris. All right. Happy Thursday. 
morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you may be. It is Thursday, April 21st. It is my mom's birthday today, which is a reason for celebration. Because without my mom, there is no me. There is no I really me. appreciate your mom for that. I, I appreciate her. <laughs> she, she, she did some good work and she's lived a good life, a really good life. And she's got more to live. This isn't, you know, but it's her birthday. It's a time for <laughs> It's not the end. It's not the end. I, you know, I certainly hope not. Um, but we're here not just to celebrate my mom's birthday, Mm-mm. which I'm not going to tell you what, how old she is because um, I will just say it's a nice birthday. That's all I'm going to say. Um, You're a class I'm not going to tell you how old she is, um, but we are also here to celebrate the return of a little band from Burlington, Vermont, named Fish, who just made their debut in 2022 and in 4.0 at Madison Square Garden in Midtown Manhattan, a venue that is quite famous for a lot of reasons, things like Marilyn Monroe singing happy birthday to the president, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt accepting his nomination to become president of the United States in 1932, Billy Graham's 16-week residency in the mid-1970s. Not really something to be celebrated, but you know, something notable. (laughs) Uh, The New York Knicks losing really, really impactful and difficult games to the Chicago Bulls. Something definitely to be celebrated. The New York Rangers breaking the Stanley Cup drought in 1994. Just a lot, a lot of stuff. Other things that have happened at Madison Square Garden, Fish returned in 2.0, and Fish played the Baker's Dozen, and Fish played the MSG 2019 Tweezer. One of those three things, the last three things, one of those is the subject of Season 3 of Undermine launching a week from yesterday. I wonder which one it is. I do too. I have no idea. Someone needs to tell me because I make those shows. But we are not here to talk about all that. We are here to talk about the most insane New Year's Eve run in the middle of April 2022. Fish is back at the Garden. They played their first show last night of the four-night run. Their first 420 show of since 1994, which wow. to divert it back to my mother, I was talking to her this morning wishing her a happy birthday. And she goes, Brian what does 420 mean? And I said, <laughs> we need to have a conversation about this, mom. Um, That's cute. <laughs> it was very, very sweet. Um, but it is, it's a great day. We're in the middle of a fish run. Megan, I've been talking for three minutes and I haven't let you give us your first opinion, your first thoughts on all this. How has your experience been in New York, you live in New York, so it's not like you're traveling there. But how was your experience at last night's show? What were your thoughts kind of overall? How are you feeling today? I feel amazing. Last night was so fun. I am staying in the city for a few nights of this run because I didn't want to deal with, like, getting the kids to school this morning. So my husband's watching them for me. So I took the subway in from Brooklyn, just like I was just another tourist coming to New York, which was a real great like kind of getaway vibe, even though I'm here where I live. And it was awesome. The vibe was great. The sun was shining everywhere. You'd see people with their pins and their hats and their sweatshirts. And everybody was like giving everybody those like, yep, knowing glances. I mean, I think to say anticipation was high would be a massive understatement. I mean, this is the first time that they've played the garden in over 800 days. So people were very, very, very ready for these shows. So I think that 
the bar was pretty high. And I think the band also was excited to be back to and the energy in that room. I was on the floor, which I just felt so grateful for. I love being on the floor at MSG. It's a special, special feeling. The last time I was there was 12, 30, 19, my last mm. fish show at MSG. And it was just, the vibe was off the charts. So yeah, I'm so excited to dig into the meat of the show, but my overall feeling is like all good vibes. And I'm so excited to do it again tonight. And tonight is the night before the night, which is always my favorite night. Yeah, tonight is the 1230, which we have talked about a lot in the last six months since we started potting regularly together. And I think we both look at this sh- this date and this this day of the year as like a very, it's a holy holiday, if you will, the night before the night type of vibes. And um, who knows what's going to happen because you've got to imagine, you know, they got over the hurdle of playing MSG again. Like there was, yeah. and we're going to talk about this. We have a lot of guests today. We're going to jump into this here in a second, but like your your comment about energy and emotion like i felt that from three thousand miles away like sitting on my back porch watching i kind of felt like my heart was going to jump out of its chest when they walked on stage and like they launched into karini and there was a moment where i was almost just like they need to just take a deep breath and be like hey we're back but they didn't do that they just kind of kept going with the show which was kind of crazy um and we'll talk about that but yeah tonight is this is the twelve thirty show, so um, we're we're gonna jump into this conversation. We have Tim, Kevin, and Travis from Weekend Wook Wook Plus uh, joining us here today, which is awesome. And we also have another podcaster, Mr. Ryan Storm from um, We Move Through Stormy Weather, um, a number of projects um, as well. Uh, he he does he does a bunch of goose stuff. He does a bunch of fish stuff. There's just I'm so stoked about this conversation because it's you, it's me, and it's other fish podcasters who do incredible work that we're going to be breaking down last night's show. This is going to be a ton of fun. Um, before we do that, though, we have just a tiny, tiny bit of business that we need to get to. I do want to encourage everyone out there who's listening, please subscribe to Osiris Media on Apple Podcasts for uh, premium episodes from HF Pod as well as Undermine. It's an excellent way to support independent podcasts, plus it gives us the chance to give you bonus content. Um, the other thing we have to do is tell you just really quickly about our sponsors for today's episode. Megan, do you want to tell us about our first one? I'd love to. It's our favorite Sunset Lake CBD. Sunset Lake CBD's line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead, Jonathan Hart, or the young fish fan like Ryan Storm. Anybody. <laughs> we can look, guys. They can. They might like this too. Anybody searching for a mellow body high. Smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoid and anxious side effects. With nine different strains from this year's harvest, there's something for everyone. The Hawaiian haze is awesome for an outdoor show, and cherry abacus is best for the end of the night. All the flour is grown, cured, and trimmed by Sunset Lake CBD farmers. And even better, Sunset Lake CBD's farm-to-table approach gets you really great pricing on premium CBD flour because they ship directly from their farm to your door. And I have to tell you, oh no, Jonathan heard me. (laughs) I love you, Jonathan. (laughs) So I have to tell you last night, I was really proud of myself. I was out super late. I went to the Osiris after party dab sessions. It was the best vibe, super mellow, super chill, but I was pretty amped up still from the show. And we got back to the hotel room at 3 a.m. And my girls and I, we were all like, let's get those Sunset Lake 
CBD gummies out and we took them immediately and it really helped us like ease into sleep and helped us sleep in a little bit later than we usually would because we're like moms, we get up early. So highly recommend the CBD gummies. So check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code HFPOD for 20% off all products. So that's Sunset Lake CBD, farmer owned, Vermont grown. Beautiful. Really, really great stuff, Sunset Lake. Mm-hmm. We love them here. Um, I also want to tell you about the bar at Moynihan, which is located in the Moynihan Train Hall next to Madison Square Garden. We'd encourage you all to check them out for your pre and potentially post show hub for fish at MSG. Really exciting news. There will be an Osiris meet and greet there today at 5 30 p.m. Eastern. Number of hosts, Megan will be there. RJ will be there. Brad will be there. Matt will be there. A ton of other people will be there hanging out, wanting to meet uh, uh, you fine listeners as well as any, you know, just anyone casually interested in what we do and who wants to have a nice little pint before the show. Head over to the bar at Moynihan. Um, Not only will the exclusive Sierra Nevada foam Pilsner be available, but at a discounted price only at the new bar at Moynihan by the original Penzi team. Many MSG concert goers will remember them from the pre-COVID days. Excellent hang pre and post Baker's Dozen. So go in there to get a Sierra Nevada foam Pilsner, but also to check out the team that's hanging out there. Um, you can talk about Prime Fish headquarters for the week at MSG. The bar at Moynihan, it's a pint throw away from MSG. It's situated in, inside of the new Moynihan train hall. Hop off the Amtrak. Long, Ra- Long Island Railway or the subway to grab a few before and or potentially and or after the show. Head on over to MoynihanBar.com or follow them at the bar at Moynihan for more details. Great spot. Highly encourage everyone out there to check it out. Um, We're going to bring in all of our excellent guests here right now. They've been hanging out backstage, getting ready for this. Um, I would encourage all of you who are listening, who are hanging with us, share your thoughts about last night's show as we're talking through this. We're going to kind of break down the show um, from start to finish, give our our thoughts, our opinions, and none of us are holding back. None of us are holding back. And we want to hear your thoughts too. (laughs) We will share them as well. But let's go ahead here. We're going to bring on all of our guests right now. We have Mr. Tim Donahue reporting live from Central Park. How are you, Tim? Hey, guys. How you doing? Great. The weekend work himself. Reporting live from Central Park. <laughs> I mean, breaking news. This is awesome. We also yeah, I'm glad have, to be on. Thanks. Thank you, man. We also have Mr. Kevin Hogan. Kevin, Everyone. how are you, my dude? I'm fantastic. It's a little early, but that's okay. <laughs> it's a little early. It's it's show weekend. It's eleven or like uh, it's eleven where I'm at. One p.m. is very early. I understand your feeling. Um, if you recognize Kevin's voice, he hosted the excellent show on Osiris called Beautiful Garbage. One of my favorite shows that came out in the last year. I highly highly recommend it. We also have Mr. Travis Strong. Travis, how are you, my dude? I'm doing well, thank you. Too early, Kev. Are you kidding? This is like. This is beautiful being on the East Coast with the time. If I was home, it'd be 10 a.m. Now that's too <laughs> I'm very glad that it's amateur o'clock. This is great. Exactly. <laughs> Damn. Glad to be here. I love it. I love it. And we also have, I'm going to try to bring him on. I'm, for whatever reason, I'm having, oh, there he is. There he is. Mr. Ryan Storm. How are Hello. you, my dude? I'm, I'm fantastic. You know, it's, it's 
saw fish last night, seeing fish again the next three nights. That's right. How could I be bad? This is a good point. <laughs> feel you. you so we got a big lineup here today. I want to give everyone a chance to give their thoughts. Um, I'm going to start, Kevin, with you in my uh, bottom left corner of the screen. Not the bottom left corner of my heart, though. So, um, Kevin, give me just like a quick rundown. When was the last time you saw fish? What were your expectations going to this? And what were your thoughts on last night? Uh, last time I saw fish was Halloween. I flew into Vegas for a 24-hour hit and run to see that show. Um which is a whole story in itself. But uh, yeah, this was the first time I was at uh, MSG since 91 when I saw the dead there. So it's a wow. completely different venue than what I saw it before. And um, it, it really, it was fantastic. It was everything that Tim had hyped it up to be with me for these past two years <laughs> saying I had to go. So man, that's, that's incredible. Awesome. So like, 30 plus year gap between going there and seeing the dead there last and seeing fish. Now that's like, MSG. yeah, it's, it's a really kind of beautiful bookend in a lot of cases. I really like how that, how that worked out for you. Um, and did you enjoy last night overall? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, as we get into it, I had a few, you know, there, there are a few things I, I like to say that fish is really good at what they do. Um, sometimes, uh, I don't know. I, I thought that the song selection in the beginning, the first two songs, that was fantastic. I didn't know what to do. But when we hit two slow songs in a row, you know, that kind of like was a law in the set. I want to get into that because I, I have some thoughts on that. Meg, what, I know you want to respond to that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I felt like they came out just with a vengeance that was just totally awesome and just tore it open. And that Karini, I mean, a 19 minute Karini opener. Yes, please. Like, yes, that's how, <laughs> you, that's how you fucking open MSG when you uh -huh. haven't been there in 800 days. But I definitely, I definitely felt like the, the set list construction in the first set definitely affected the pacing and the flow of the set. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to jump into that. I mean, that's, that's definitely, so, I, I had thoughts on that as well last night. I think overall I was like, this this show almost reminded me of um, uh, Arkansas from last year in the sense that I almost I feel like they kind of had to just get through it in some cases and I think that they it was a much better show than Arkansas but I I'm curious I I, I want to dive into the nuances but Travis I want to turn to you you are now in the bottom left hand corner of my screen but again not <laughs> the bottom left hand corner of my heart um, last fish show thoughts going into this what what did you kind of think. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm saying this, Kev, last fish shows was the Vegas run, which okay. I think, you know, as we've talked about, everybody who was there knows what a complete shit show that was. So this was, you know, coming into this was every, anything has to be better than that. So it was only my second time being at the garden. My first time was New Year's 18 for that show. So this was my kind of return to it. Um, you yes. know, since, since 93, I've never seen, I've never been East Coast fish guy like all my shows are west so it was a real treat and it's just it's such a different venue i know we talked a little bit about last night too it's just the vibe the energy it's literally their home court you know it's like going to see your team in the playoffs at home on home ice or on their court and it's just they play different the energy's different the crowd is different everything's different and it's just with that in mind you can't go wrong you know like you're already at another high level going into that with that feeling so everything else is just kind of gravy to me. And I thought the show was again, compared to Vegas was 
the venue itself, the crowd, everything was great. I thought they played phenomenal. But to your point, it was kind of the opening night show again, sort of that, like I did fall tour. So it felt again, like Sacramento too, to your Arkansas point. It wasn't yeah. as bumpy as Sacramento was because they had a few hiccups in Sacramento to open it, but there were some good jams in that show as well. And it kind of led into what would be one of the great fall tours, you know, like it kind of was that warm up show of like, Hey, you know, cause then the next night was San Francisco and they crushed that Carini in San Francisco for that encore and stuff. And so it kind of was the kickoff to it, which is kind of what I'm thinking is going to happen here too. You know, it's kind of that show let's kick the rust and now we're ready to do it for the next three nights. So I'm excited what's going to come. And I really think, you know, overall I, I've stopped really kind of having no negative melt talk towards shows these days. You know, I kind of just appreciate it for what it is after, yeah, yeah. you know, after seeing Charlie Watts pass away last year and the Taylor Hawkins thing, I just feel like we're so fortunate to get in what we get in that to complain about it is just kind of a ridiculous point these days. So I'm just thankful for what we get. And last night was one of those shows where I was just having fun that down with disease. I, oh. That's I'm not so the hugest fan of that song all the time, but man, I got down to that thing and I was just having a blast during that jam and stuff. So that was a you know, great again, version too. I re-listened to that was. this morning. That was a great version. Really, really dope. And if that's fish being rusty, like goddamn, we're spoiled. You know? Right, right, you know, and to be able to judge them in that way and say that stuff just shows like how good they really are, and what our expectations are, which sometimes, you know, are too high. Way too high. For a lot yeah, of unrealistic. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah. That's kind of my overall. So, yeah. No, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, my, and we'll get into this, but like, as much as I felt like last night was an opening show and I, you know, it, Arkansas, Sacramento, I think that there's, there's commonalities there. I think that there's enough Karini, Down with Disease, Moma Dance, Twist. There's enough in there, Stash. There's enough in there that, okay. The Howling. Howling. Insane. Talk yes, about going down. Great. There was a huge disco dance party on the floor. It was like 10 of us just like full on. We needed like bell bottoms and sequins. We were like disco <laughs> raging. It was awesome. I was so excited to hear that song. Just It ripped. I loved it. I love it. I love it. Ryan Storm. Yes. Tell us your last show, your thoughts going into this, your first time at Madison Square Garden. Where were you at walking into last night's show and what were your thoughts? Yeah, so my last show um, was the Forum uh, in October, which I met you right after. Uh, we did. Nice. Um, which was, I mean, that was a really fun show. I know a lot of people, um, you know, don't have as high opinion on the uh, second set from that show as I do. But I, I had a great time. It's my first time on the floor as well. So I, th- I thought it was great. Um, and yeah, so last night was my first time ever being inside, uh, Madison square garden. Uh, it's funny. The last time Kev was there, I was nine years from being born. Um, <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. <laughs> so just, just to date you a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I think I had a really great time last night. I was up on the chase bridge, uh, which is a really cool vantage point. Um, I would say the only downside to there is, you know, you don't get the full effect of uh, the lights, um, you know, but it was really cool to see, you know, obviously Kuroda has so much extra gear um, and extra stuff like around the Jumbotron in the middle and like, you know, his MSG setup. It was really, really cool to see um, and experience the the building in person for the first time. You know, I've webcasted so many shows uh, from MSG and it was so cool to be there. I had a really, really great time. Um, you know, 
looking at historically um, modern era um, New Year's runs or MSG runs, um, outside of something like 2017, usually the first night is that kind of more like up and down warm up night, even like legendary runs like 2018. Um, you know, the first night is largely forgettable, but then you have 1229 and 123018, which are like two of the most totally. incredible shows. So, you know, I think last night was really, really solid. Yeah, there was a there was a good amount of slop here and there, but I think you know what? It's their their first show in front of an audience on US soil since Halloween. Um, which is crazy. Like, you know, they've played um five shows in the last six months, um, you know, and just the Mexico run and uh, the ninth cube new year's. Um, and so I think, yeah, a little bit of rust was going to happen. I think generally last night, the jamming was really, really great. They sounded like super just laid back and loose. I think that, you know, with that bliss vibe, they didn't really go anywhere dark. I think there were a couple of times where, um, Page was trying to push it in a different direction, but I think Trey was really in a in a lighthearted mood last night. Um, wanted to stick in the bliss vibe, love and light. Yeah, love Trey. and light. I think you make a really and, good and point. They played, and they played my podcast song, so I was happy. About they that. did. <laughs> they did one one additional song in just for you on the Chase Bridge. This is for that guy. Um, no, I I think one of the points you're making is really is is really profound in the sense that like we spend months being like, holy shit. I can't wait to see fish. Oh my God. I can't wait till the tour starts. I can't wait till this run happens. And then the show happens and we do this thing where we're like, ah, it wasn't that great. And like the reality is like, yeah, I think that, and I think we'll get into this. Like there's plenty to nitpick with this run and like there or with this show. And there's plenty to say, like, you know, personally speaking I, I i don't think that reba should have been played last night which is the only time i've ever said that in my entire life because you know late in the show there'd been some slop you just knew it was gonna be a rough version but overall that's kind of the package that you get with fish is that like there's going to be chances that are taken that the the beauty of this band is when the chances don't work they showcase their humanity when the chances do work you walk away like you know 12 30 18 with an everything's right a light uh split open and melt all in that second set that are three of the best jams of that overall year so you know well, it's, brian you it's, know it's, why it's they really played that sorry Tell you me. know why you know why they played that reba i mean if they played <laughs> if they played drift for ryan then they played the reba for the fish bracket to, to, to prove that everybody voted incorrectly for winning for letting ghost win they had to come out with it reba should have won the bracket it's, i really appreciate i really appreciate tim that you don't even let me introduce you you just <laughs> jump right in with right in i <laughs> <Sorry>. love <laughs> it ladies and gentlemen Tim Donahue. Tim, how are you doing? You are you are reporting from the forest of old <laughs> of, of New Amsterdam. Um, tell us last fish show and what were your thoughts going into this? I'm fairly certain the last show was at Dick's. I was having trouble remembering if I caught anything on fall, but I don't think so. So it was Dick's run. Um, I came into last night looking for closure, and I, I saw a bunch of shows last year. And it was fine. We were back on tour. But right before, in the before times, right before COVID, my last show was Rescue Squad. And this is MSG for me and a lot of people is like the home court, right? I think it's like 26-something shows here. And like it has an energy. And the 
seeing Trey suspended up there and the anxiety I had leaving that show and then to have the whole year without it, coming back, it didn't feel, feel fully closed until last night. Going back to back home, essentially, and seeing Fish at MSG, for me, is kind of like this... Not, I don't want to say closure because it's not over, but it's like, all right, we're here, we're back. It's it, it felt really comfortable, uh, and the energy in that room, like you're right, I, I hear all the nitpicks and I totally heard, you know, the flubs and everything, but the energy never dissipated last night. The you know at other venues when you have like you go into leaves or whatever or strange design, people start talking behind you, you know, if you're not on the floor, right, and like you could feel the focus and the energy dissipate. Last night it maintained. Right, all the way through. So it didn't bother me as much when things slowed down or there were flubs because, you know, the, the energy carried us through that show. Um, but no, I thought, I thought that was a great, solid start. And bit, uh, it, it's going to lead to a good run, I think. I think it was a good indicator that we're going to have a really great end of this run, for sure. I agree with that completely. And let's, let's dive into it. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think that's a really good point. Like the energy was high from the couch. The energy sounded high in the venue. There were moments in some of these jams where like, you know, it, you, you just remember and everything you guys have said, I think at least three of you have used the term home court to describe MSG, which is something that we really focus on in episode one of, um, uh, the Baker's Dozen season coming out next week for Undermine oh, is this spoilers. idea that that no spoilers, none. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can tell the spoilers. All right, um, <laughs> you know we 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 focus on this idea that like Fish cultivates this home court at MSG, and that that is a part of kind of the. <laughs> Uh, uh, the confidence that they that they have as a band at this point in time, and then taking the stage last night, I'll just jump into it. Carini opens it up. So many people are throwing out ideas. I overthought this and said they're going to open up with Odd Lang Syne is kind of like a ha ha ha. We're not going to play a New Year's show, but here's Odd Lang Syne because this is the quote New Year's run. People were saying they're going to open up with Blazon because of 420 on and on and on. Can I quickly what? before before we go on yeah. just on your point of the Auld Lang Syne opener? I did notice uh, as soon as I got in um, that I also I'm gonna uh, say I I posted a review last night on my blog. Check it out. You did. You're um, doing it already, Ryan. Damn, yes. I had the over on. Shout out to we Ryan's already got blog. one song in, and we already got you plugging. Um, but I was going to say, I noticed immediately um, that the band's uh, rigs are all on uh, risers that can be very easily moved on and off the stage, which means we are getting a full New Year's gag uh, tomorrow night, um, which I assume will mean we're getting Countdown and Balloons and All Lang Syne played then. You feel, you're all, so, all going to have to make uh, New Year's resolutions all over again. So yes. whatever you didn't accomplish in the first four months of 2022, <laughs> it get was another like, shot. It's like, it like your trial run. Like you could do was, whatever. Yeah, for yeah. Four Everyone months. who stopped running on January 10th, start running yeah. again. Exactly. Um, I, just, I thought it was a cool thing because, you know, as much as I figured we were going to get a gag, it was nice to have the confirmation that we are indeed going to get one. Totally. I agree with that. Um, especially fish dry goods marketing in this as new year's Eve in April. I was like, okay, you guys are leaning into it. Yeah. Um, all right, let's take this first set. I want to take it in two halves. I see the first half being Karini possum MoMA. And then I would say leaves because you kind of needed that expected breather at that point in time. Um, you know, my thought just like as they come out, 
why not just throw down with heavy metal Karini and then just pl- play it for 20 minutes? Like I, I don't think that there's a better way that they could have opened this run, but I'm going to open it. Um, uh, Kevin, what were your thoughts uh, in this first quarter of the show, the Karini possum Moma leaves? Um, well, the Karini possum, I think for me was my highlight of the show. Just the possum, the energy that place took off. We got white lighted Travis, right? very beginning um the moma i i find moma interesting now because like in atlantic city it kind of like opened it didn't end all of a sudden moma dance is unfinished like down with disease always used to be and i thought the leaves was perfect in that spot the cool down once we get into the second half of this set that's the then it becomes a weird thing but if i left it after leaves and then the next song had been stashed I'd say that that was perfect, but because Lee's left us in a strange place, you know. It was an interesting call there, especially like it's a newer ballad. I'm sure Mm -hmm. that a lot of people are still slightly unfamiliar with it. It's a longer ballad. It's very complex. I I personally love this song, and I thought – I think it's one of the best recordings on Sigma Oasis. I thought back to the Maple show when they played Leaves, and it was a really, really cool performance. But um, Travis, what were your thoughts on this opening segment of the show? I mean, Carini in the one spot, it's almost like, again, that San Fran Carini that was in the encore spot where wherever you get it in those kind of unique situations, it just crushes. I mean, it just cr- yeah. like to open the show with that. Perfect. To close the show with a 19 minute crazy. Perfect. You know what I mean? Like you're getting it, you know? And even when it's sometime in the middle of the show that comes out, I feel like it doesn't always have the same feeling to it as it does in those few slots. It's kind of like first tube, you know, like a great opening is first tube and yeah. a great encore is first tube. It's kind of that, that feeling of like, holy shit, what did we just get? You know, and I always like to leave a show on kind of that high. So getting it that time was nice. But coming into a show, I mean, you're just like, okay, we're throwing fastballs to start this game. All right, let's go, you know. And then to get a possum in the two hole, I mean, I'm one point forever. So anything in that area that they hit like a stash or anything that comes through that, I am like all about. And possum, I mean, is always one of my favorite. Just that beginning. I mean, you know, such a great segue too. So good. I the mean, there was, was a couple really great. great. Yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Last night, one thing, I know we'll jump ahead a little bit, but one thing last night I thought segues were really good. That twist mm-hmm. segue was really good. Like they, they really totally had yeah. a couple really oh, good yeah. butter segues last night that were really beautiful. But that one in a possum, I mean, you can't beat that, da, 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 you know, in the height, like that, just that building kind of like it. Felt and they like kind of extended point. it. Oh yeah. They yeah, it, like stretched out. Exactly. And really to the point of anticipating like, the garden show or like waiting for a show it's that beginning of that song that kind of like gets that feeling back like i'm just like let's fucking burn it down you know and then yeah. it's boom, and you're like in it and let's go and so like that was great and then momo was nice because it kind of it's that jammy song you know like after that hardcore you kind of get that flowy jamminess and then you know and then we get in that slow song which i think is perfect right there it was nice to hear a new song there which isn't always you know what you get in that position, but I love it. I love yeah. anything new like that, that you can kind of test out and feel and be like, that really worked right there. That was a great yeah. four song opening. So mm-hmm. yeah, loved it. Meg, what were your thoughts on this? I know we were, we were texting a bit last night um, after the show and you, as expected, you were on like cloud 19. I, I don't <laughs> think that there, it was, it was very, very, very high, high up in, in just like happiness. What, what were your thoughts? Like, 20 minute jam to open possum right after. Yeah. I mean, I had a real intense, like 
pre-show jitters day yesterday of just being like so <laughs> pumped up. I couldn't sleep Tuesday night. My stomach was like flipping over. My heart was like racing all day. And then that like adrenaline wore off at lunchtime. And I was like trying to teach third graders. And I was like, just got to make it to the show. And I like had a coffee. And then I like saw my friends, gone to the city. And then we were like just so amped up. And the whole buildup was just like so tremendous. And to me, that's some of the best part about going to see fish is just like, reconnecting with your crew, like coming in together, like seeing everybody and just getting into MSG and like seeing the lights go down and everybody just like grabbing each other and it's Karini and it's just like monster. Like just that's exactly <laughs> what we want. You know, we just want that like throw down. And I agree. Like it's funny. Possum isn't like my favorite song, but I thought the version last night was awesome. It was really energetic, really tight really great placement right after that. And then into the MoMA was just, I love MoMA dance so much. And I always love the funk. I always want to like get down into the soup and like dance really hard. So I was loving it. And Leaves, Leaves is a vibe, you know, it's like a throwback to a kind of like classic rock um, ballad that, that yeah. I think it takes some getting used to, I think. And like, I'm still getting used to it. I agree. I thought the placement was really great. And I think that it was just, I think it's not everybody's cup of tea yet. And I think these songs kind of grow on people. And I think that that's definitely like seems to be kind of like what leaves is where it is right now and kind of like the musical yeah. canon. But um, I thought that the first three, four songs, I think were just super awesome. And then I think, yeah, I think going into another ballad is just a super weird call. And, you know, Trey can do whatever the hell he wants because he's Trey and we're all lucky that we get to listen to him play every night. So I have nothing bad to say about anything Trey wants to do. Um, but the stash was insanely played. It was great. It was just mm -hmm. so well played, really, really fun. The set as a whole felt short, um, but maybe that's just because like I was excited. I think it was like 15, 20 minutes, maybe 15 minutes shorter than usual um, on my like crude set break math. But I think I think it was, I mean, I was happy. I thought that the second set was better, but we'll get into that. Ryan, can you talk about the Karini into Possum, but in context of the second leg of Goose's winter 2022 tour? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Well, not, I, I, I don't like to, I don't like to compare the two. I, know, um, I will say last night is not the best concert that I've seen this year so far. So that fair point, fair point. I, point I, I will say that. I, I think it's, it's currently number two. Um, but, um, you know, the Karini was just such a great way to open the show, you know, from the get go, I think Trey modulated out of Karini into a major key, like a minute into the jam. Like he was ready to just get into that bliss zone. Yeah. Um, you know, no, there's no, no holding evil, back. No, no evil Karini last night. It was really cool. You know, Paige was kind of jumping all over the place on his rig uh, during Karini using that um, new profit synth uh, that he added to the rig in Mexico. Um, I do want to note that I did notice last night um, that his Nord keyboard that he uses for samples and stuff um, has been moved um, from on top of the organ to now being on top of the Rhodes and CS60. And the profit is now on top of the organ uh, for anybody who understands what I'm talking about. Um, shout out to you, but a very, a very minor uh, swap in his rig. That was cool to notice. Um, did you yeah, just I, from noticing that that's, that's really cool. Did you, yes. did, did you get any, just like from your own perspective, is there anything that you could ascertain as to why that might happen? Like, was there, uh, is he moving from the organ 
more to to the keyboard? Like where 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 your where does your head go with that? So I, I think maybe he wants to use the profit um, in conjunction with the organ more. You know, he made it now, so he has one synthesizer on each part Side. of his rig, excluding the piano clav at the front. Um, and so I think maybe he wanted to split up the CS60, which is his big one on top of the roads. That's like that characteristic uh, late 1.0 uh, synth sound. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because in Mexico, he had the, the profit on top of the CS60 and they're, they're a little mm-hmm. bit similar. And maybe he just wanted to have that synth option um, separately. On top then, of the organ. You know, I, I, I don't know where his head is at with the samples, especially because it might be a bit of a stretch for him because he plays um, Whirly on a bunch of the songs um, where, but I, I don't want to get too into keyboard nerd language because not everybody knows it as well. <laughs> like it's, it's it, no, but like the adjustments like are interesting. Fish to a non-fish I mean, fan sometimes. <laughs> hey, just stay with me for the next 10 minutes and I promise you'll get it. <laughs> exactly. uh, no, no, but it's interesting because what did he move to Trey side before last summer tour that had yeah. such an impact. What, what, what was that? What keyboard so, was that? So the organ for the entirety of Fish's career was directly to his left on Trey side um, Correct, because yeah. that was the, the focus of the rig um, and the jamming until around 2017 was like organ, clav, piano. That was like yeah. the main stuff that he was going to during jams. And so the organ was right there next to him also because you know, he'll play piano with his right hand and organ with his left hand. And it's very easy to do it when it's right next to you. It's, and then last year um, in Arkansas, he actually, the organ was flipped to his right side um, and he flipped the Whirly and Moog one to Trey side because yes, as Moog we all know, one. last summer, the, the synth and the electric piano really, really took over the band's sound and what Paige is doing in jams. And so that became the focal point and, you know, that's continued through in the organ. That's fair. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, Jonathan. And, and um, you know, the, the organ really took a backseat for the, a lot of last year. I think he kind of rediscovered it around Dick's. But if you listen to um, most of last year's summer tour, you're not hearing a lot of organ in jams at all, which is such a change. Like it, it, it was being used a lot, even as the synth was beginning to take over all over a lot of 2019 jams um and so it it was interesting to see him take that step and then actually after arkansas he put the organ at the back um and put the roads on his right so that means on either side of him he has different electric piano synth combos um which is cool because the roads for anyone who doesn't know is that more like silky phasery sound um and the whirly is like the flatter funkier one um, just that helps. Um, it does. but yeah, it, it was, it was, it's, it's, it was cool to see last night, you know, he was using the organ a fair amount. Um, and now it's interesting to look like last night during disease, he's doing like this balancing act where his piano, you know, right hand piano, left hand organ, but like the organs at the back. And I was watching him with his feet, like, because he controls the, uh, the Leslie speed for the organ with a foot switch. And so he was wow. like dancing back and forth between piano sustain pedal and then reaching with his other foot to tap the the leslie switch and work the volume pedal on the organ so it was really some cool acrobatics um from page you know i i that's incredible yeah the perspective from the chase bridge was cool because you know i have a you know 
good viewpoint of the stage. Um, yeah, you can see right down into it. Yeah. Like right down into his rig. That's awesome. Which and it's interesting because that – On the floor just saw everybody's shoulders. Stuck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because it brings up like a larger discussion that we have here on HF Pod often, which is this idea about intentionality on stage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's a lot of legwork and, and physical work for Paige to do literally in the first 10 minutes of the show there's yeah. no we're gonna play acdc bag and you play some organ you play some piano but like it's seven minutes and then we're into the show and everything's cool we're gonna play you know just throw out your standard opener and we're just gonna play that so everyone feels comfortable and confident on stage no we're giving you page a song that you are probably going to want to go to multiple keyboards for because we're was. going to go into various yeah. sections and is that something they talk about before they walk on stage? Because, you know, Karini accomplishes basically three things here. It shocks the crowd and it's like, holy shit, the show started. Oh, my God. And it's Karini. But then it also easily leads to a jam because it's a song that they're comfortable jamming. So it allows them exploration. But then here it allows Paige to show off some new new, new gear. But as you're talking about from a physical standpoint, he has like the most he has to reach on stage. Whereas yeah. You know, Trey is focused on his pedals. Mike's focused on his pedals. Obviously, Fishman's moving the whole show. But thank you. That was that was keyboard segment with Ryan Storm. We'll be we'll be back with more updates throughout. Um, I want to move also, through. I just want to say too, yeah, I go ahead. Fishman, Fishman is MVP of this show too. Yeah, there's no feelings. Yes, yes. I, you know, I, so I have a lot to say time. when we get to stash. Um, oh my god, he oh my was, was just filling that. in. Like he was doing fills. Just it was it was gorgeous. I was texting with a friend last night and he was like, who do you think practices the most in fish? And I was like, oh, it's Fishman. Fishman. For sure. It's like three or it's like four or five hours a day. He looks at it like a job and that's what he does. And, and he comes in ready every, every single tour. Um, Tim, I want to give you a chance to comment here. If you have any thoughts on the first part of this, of the set, but I want to transition in the back half of the set as well. So give me your thoughts on like the opening and we'll move into stash from there. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only thing to add was I thought Carini was a, a very poignant decision because there's a lot of things being discussed. If they're going to lean in on the 420 thing, you know, with like a blaze on right off or light up and leave me alone. And I feel like all the gimmicks and everything around this being New Year's in April, the Carini choice was what can we do that's so rock solid, our foundation, right? This is fish raging and jamming and MSG. That's it, right? Everything else that you have, all your other preconceived notions – just throw them out. You're here. We're raging. And that's kind of why I think they made that choice. Um, and then the other thing, too, it, I noticed right in the beginning, and I guess this is a general comment, is the band looks great. They look really yeah. good. Like Fish, like last year, I mean, we all none of us looked great coming out of the first quarantine. <laughs> but like... <laughs> I haven't seen anyone in 18 months. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, and like honestly, last year fish was rough. Like, you remember that? Coming, I mean, I don't want to yeah. get personal, like coming out of the divorce and the hair yeah. thing, everything. Last night they were healthy, they were smiling, they were and and they felt energetic. There was no like, oh, we're we're rounding, you know, into the ninth inning, or I don't I'm not gonna do sports metaphors and analogies, but you know what I mean? Like it felt like there's a lot of potential energy there that we're going to see for a long time, which was really great to see. I love fish in particular. I was happy to see him looking so good, mm-hmm. but uh, I actually wanted to disagree with everybody too. I thought love it. Every, everybody was like leaves was really well placed, but not everybody's favorite song. I, I feel the opposite personally. I love leaves. I think it's, is one of my favorite songs, but I, 
I didn't like the placement. I understand traditionally the cooldown spot, and I know Trey's yeah. in control, and I have nothing that I can do about it. But again, the MSG energy and the coming in, how they did with that segue between Karini into uh, uh, Possum, I felt like that was the opportunity that they don't get all the time where they could have just kept riding that a little further. Yeah. Like we didn't get to where it needed to get. And if they had saved that leaves for like after another big peak, you know, towards the back end of the first set or even in the second set, I think it would have been perfect. I think the placement of it was a little bit, it was rough because they didn't get where they needed to get with the possum. And it got close, but it just, I needed, we needed a little more. I felt like. It's a good it's an point. Encounter. I'm also a junkie. I'm just like, I give me more. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop. I enough. Yeah. Right. It's an interesting counterpoint, and I think that like the the fairness to your argument is that Leaves is a new song, and it's going to challenge people to be in the moment. Some people have only heard it once or twice. Um, it may be a lot of people's first time hearing it live, and it's we all know that like a lot of fish songs, you can hear it on tape, you can hear it couch touring, and you're actually in the arena. And it hits in a different manner. Um, so you know, it's 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 a fair point. I I, I don't know if I totally agree, but I, I I accept it. You know, we'll accept that here for for the counter. Fish um, fans with different opinions that never happens. It's never it's never happened. There's one opinion. It's right, and everything else is wrong. Right now, yeah. Um, so they do strange design next, which my only note on it was that you had to play it here and now. Like the the meaning of that song is kind of you know it, it speaks to the vibe that we're kind of eternally in right now, which is you know life is short. Let's do these things that we care about. Let's do these things that we love. Let's let's look around at the people that we care about and that we love. Which you know when they're on stage, they're thinking about each other. They're thinking about their families. When you're in the crowd, you're thinking about your friends. You're thinking about your family. You're thinking about how lucky you are to be at a fish show. But let's move into that stash. Yes. Because my first note on the stash was I'm curious how they'll approach this considering how outstanding it was throughout 2021. And we're at this really cool point where, you know, we have this break in 2020, not accepted by the band. You know, the band didn't want to have a break, obviously, but the world gave them one. And we're at this interesting point now where we've had a year of fish very high quality fish. And now we can look at all these songs that were played so well last year and wonder, is it going to have another big year? You know, is stash going to take a step back this year? Is it going to have another big year? Is Karini going to take a step back? No, these two performances have shown us already. Um, and if you go back to Mexico, the Karini from Mexico was absolutely incredible as well. We're seeing songs that had big 2021s have a big start to 2022. I don't mean to bring the sports analogies in here, but you know, it's the same sort of ideas. Like, you know, you have a guy who has a great season and he comes back the next year. Is it, are they going to be able to maintain it? This stash, it had space. It was delicate at times. It had staccato jams. It mm -hmm. had this like undermined style, evil jam. It had this evil peak and then it moves back into stash. Um, Travis, what were your thoughts on this stash? Again, 1.0 Stan here, so give it to me. Like, stick it in my Anytime. veins. I love it. Um, <laughs> but I thought it I thought it was great. Um, you know, the staccato, like you mentioned, was so fun. Like, I love that in it. Like, I thought there was just moments in it where it just – it had that – it, it kind of had that balance of, like, could it go evil like we were talking about? Could it get a little dirtier? Could it get a little there? Should we keep it a little lighter? It kind of, like, walked that line and kind of kept you in it. And it just – it was – 
I, it was it was everything I wanted out of it to be honest with you. The way, where you got it, and you know, it was the first. This and into that blaze on was our first and only real four twenty kind of song. Mm, you know, mm. song on it was that stash blaze on, which is like take your stash and blaze it. You know, I was like, oh, they finally got in the moment for it. You know, and other than Mike it. wearing all green, that was kind of our only indication of sort of leaning into that feeling. You know, which, uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Would have been weeds, but you know. <laughs> Should have been some weeds, but yeah, that's true. You could kind of go with leaves too. But it was just, uh, you know, I'm glad they didn't because, you know, fish, every time you think they're going to go right, they go left and then diagonal, you know, like they never yeah. do what you think they're going to do. So, like to your point earlier, try to call an opener or whatever and thinking they're going to play weed songs or something in that zone. They, you know, they just like, no, we're just going to go out and do this. And you're like, okay, fine, I'm fine with that. But that stash was, you know, and even my fiance who, is fairly new to the fish scene. In fact, the 18 New Year's show was her first show, but since then I think she's seen now 12 shows with me in like two years or whatever. I'm like, in two years you've got 12 shows. When I saw them in two years, I had two shows. You know, like 93, 94, I saw two shows. Yeah. But she's getting into it now, and like she's getting her favorites, and Karini is like one of her favorites. She likes evil fish, so Karini, evil Karini, she loves. But last night she kind of leaned over to me, and she's like, what song is this? I was like, it's Stash. She's like, this song slaps and has now made my list of songs I love. And I was like, sweet. You're getting it. Like, awesome. So that said a lot to me of like how good that Stash was because she's a little bit yeah. of a critic, but she loved it. So that kind of tells you like where my head was at. And then into that blaze on, which I thought was kind of odd. And to your point, what you were just talking about is some of the blaze ons we've gotten recently that really go out there and really get their jam. You know, Dear like, like this one, like I thought coming out, out of that stash, I was like, oh, this Blazon is going to jam. Like, we're going to get somewhere with this. And then I can't wait to see what they close the set with after that yeah. jam. So it was really kind of a weird, like, we didn't quite get up that hill. We just kind of called it. And then we went to set break. And I was like, mm -hmm. are they tired? Are they out of shape? Like, what just, like, that was a really short set. I know you mentioned that earlier, too. But I felt the same thing. I was like, that, that felt early. And then they took a long break, which I thought, mm -hmm. okay, maybe a short set meant a short intermission and we'll be back into this but they took like an almost extended break and waited till again like their normal time to come back on so it gave us a ton of time to like relax and then that second set started so i thought that was a kind of weird ending to yeah. that set and kind of like it was a great way to go out don't get me wrong i love the stash and the blaze but i thought we could have gotten a little bit further up that hill before we did that set so. what what's happened? funny what, what happened what? with the lighting trust did something happen with like part of the lights during did the they during which one? There were a bunch of people out on stage during set break, and they brought down part of the lights. And there they were may, like, it may have been a technical issue, but I, it, to your point about the set lengths, it's funny. The first set felt really short. It was 75 minutes, which is a very normal length for a first set. But yeah, I agree that it, it, it seemed to fly by. I will say that I feel like we're a bit out of practice uh, with seeing shows still because I, you know, Set break was about as long as I figured it would be. It was 40 minutes long, which is, I think, mm -hmm. a normal length for a fish set break um, nowadays. But I will agree that Blaze On was kind of an awkward end to the set, and I think that's kind of why it felt like a shorter set, because it was just kind of like, oh, an eight-minute Blaze On. And, you know, like I get that they wanted to play it for 420, but I, you know, I would have rathered them honestly throw a character zero in that slot. Um, if you're going to play something for eight minutes, I'd rather it be... A character zero which when they start it i'm like okay this is going to be eight minutes trey's going to rip a guitar solo and the set's going to end versus blaze on where they give you that like are they going to jam this I, do you think they know though ryan because like 
I feel like they went in anticipating to rock it and to jam it out, and it just didn't land, right? Like, I feel like right. you have some control over it, but sometimes you don't. And they yeah. probably wanted to have another Deer Creek-style blaze on, but they ended up with, like, uh, you know... Not just an average blaze on. I mean, an average blaze on. So they're improvisational musicians sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. when they're not playing composed music. And that's just an it's an art, it's not a science, right? And so, like, sometimes it goes where they expect, sometimes it doesn't. And I think they're as an artist, you have to be completely open to where it goes, otherwise, you would never get to where they get. And sometimes it doesn't go far. And I think that's yeah. just like the way it is. And that's probably why that set was a little shorter. And I also think the ending, like when they ended that song, my friends turned to me and, and I was like, set break. And they were like, no, it's not set break yet. Like they're not. And I'm like, I think I just saw them bow. And they're like, no, it's not over yet. Like it, mm-hmm. they're still <laughs> like, we Trey seemed to, Trey seemed to hesitate after they yeah. played the last note. There seemed yeah. to be like a, a few seconds before he took his guitar off, like where the lights went blue again. And I was like, oh, are they doing another one? And then, so maybe no. the house they were having blue, a technical though. issue. Maybe they were. And they were getting stuff in their earpieces that was like, maybe. We got to pull out. I don't know. But yeah, it was, if that's the case, they, they came back and, and we never knew the better of her second set. That's for sure. Hey, Megan and Brian, I don't want to be rude and interrupt, but my phone's actually going to die. I, I Field correspondence. This is how it goes. It's I right, Tim, to- we'll get you back in the studio in, in 90 and we'll, 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 we'll do the updated report. No, have, have a great day, man. Thank you. For I want to, us. um, and, uh, I do want to plug tomorrow. Cause RJ is going to swing by do. too. And Tom tomorrow fan art, uh, Wook Plus is doing a live broadcast from two to five, uh, four, and we're gonna have Greg Knight PR with Goose and a host of Great Beyond podcast. We're gonna have Benji Eisen. You guys, everybody knows Benji, New York Times bestselling author, and then of course RJ and Tom. We're giving out Goose tickets. We got tickets for Radio City uh, and some summer tickets. We're gonna be giving out on the broadcast and at the table, uh, and we'll be chilling. So come hang out and see us at Fan Art, or if you're not in New York, go watch it on YouTube. At Wook Plus. That's awesome. Like awesome uh, thing, man. Thank you Thanks, for joining guys. us, Tim. We'll I talk can. soon. All right. Bye. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, I, I agree, I think, with what everyone is saying in various ways about the Blazon because I felt it the same as well. Like, it's a big spot for the song. It kind of is this wink, you know, towards the holiday, and it's kind of this, you know, that's a song that's had some amazing versions inside of that venue. You think about the Baker's Dozen version. You think about um, uh, 2018, I believe. Is it 1229 has a really good blaze on? I know that 123019 yeah. has a really good blaze on. There's like an underrated one from both 1229, 2018, as well as 123019. Go ahead. Yeah. I was I was gonna say yeah that twelve thirty nineteen I think is the really good one. Uh, so when nobody talk- reason they talks about because the tweezer. tweezer. Yeah, yeah. It's that Ruby Waves from that show was also phenomenal, but that's awesome. really that's good. not what we're talking about here. <laughs> no, um, but I felt like it's a big spot for it, and it's also. I thought when it first started, it was probably going to end the set because they have utilized it in that space as like like Blazon's almost uh it's kind of like what disease used to be where you could hear like a 10 minute long down with disease in 1999 mm-hmm. and it absolutely just like rips and it completely shreds or you could hear a 25 minute version in 1999 you know it's it's got this dexterity from a rocking song to a jam vehicle and blazon kind of fits that spot right now but it felt as though you know there it was playful 
Trey sounded kind of bouncy throughout it. And it felt like there just needed to be a little bit, at least from my perspective, a little bit more focus on the peak because we weren't going to get a jam version and we didn't mm-hmm. totally get that. And so as a result, and, and to me, that is, it, it goes back to the same feeling I have about this entire show from the start. I have no idea how you play this show. Like, I don't know as even professional musicians, how you walk on that stage, you know, emotionally, they've been looking forward to this show since. I think got canceled. Since yeah, December, but probably even before that. January 1st, 2020, they were look, probably. Right, like the last time they played MSG, they were probably like, cool, we'll be back next year. And then, oh shit, we're not coming back next year. Okay, we'll be back next year. Oh no, this isn't, you know, this is just like kept being pushed back. Mm-hmm. And that emotional release, like, I, I just don't know how you play this concert. So I, I, in some cases, I keep coming back to like, they had to just get through tonight or last yeah. night's show. And I think they did a much better job than anyone could have ever imagined, despite some of the challenges that we're talking about. Um, I want to pause before we go into set two. Does anyone have anything that they want to add about the stash? I want to make sure everyone gets their thoughts about that. Yes, I knew you did. Yes. So um, I I just recently did an episode of We Moved Through Stormy Weather uh, with Scott Marks uh, talking about stash. And so uh, check check it out if you haven't. Um, But, uh, you know, I really kind of looked at... um, you know, really diving into, we looked at uh, Amsterdam 97 and Shoreline from last year. And it's really cool listening to a defining feature of a lot of stash jams is that throughout Fishman's just doing that gentle hi-hat rhythm. And last night I noticed right from the get-go on the jam, he was doing this like kind of galloping thing on the hi-hat that was a lot more aggressive than he does normally. And I think that really you know, I, as soon as he started doing that, I was like, oh, this is going somewhere. Like Fishman has made the statement that this isn't your typical stash. And I think that really, you know, it's one of those things where he provoked Trey into doing something cool with it. Uh, and Jonathan mentioned uh, like the, the, it was like a tweezer reprise Z kind of um, vibe at one point, Trey playing like some ascending chords. Um, and then I thought, you know, wasn't the longest stash but packed a lot into its 12 minutes. And I think they absolutely nailed returning back to the theme at the end. You know, it's very easy. Um, You know, we'll see later in the show uh, a less smooth return to the end of a song. Um, But I thought they really, really did that well. And it's really cool to see, you know, obviously it's really cool to see when Fishman is like, you know, makes a statement like that. And it's very clear that he is the one that drove the jam there. There was also a really cool, percussive sound that I think Trey was making right at the beginning of the jam, but I thought it was Fishman. I I don't know what it was, but it it was, it was cool. There's really something amazing when they play in Madison square garden, the sound in that room is so incredible. And, Mm -hmm. and the feeling when, when they're, when they're in a rhythmic section, you can feel the floor in certain sections, certain areas. My favorite spot in the room is, page side just like slightly on this angle not not behind the stage but just like that that in between segment between behind the stage and side stage and if you stand like in the right spots there when they get into those rhythmic sections like you can really feel the floor bouncing and you can also see in the pages rig that's awesome but like I, that point you're making about like the rhythmic nature of of that entrance into the stash jam you could pick it up from home where like mm-hmm. It, it's it's the moment and the webcast does such a good job of capturing this now where like the camera angle hits on the lights that are like reflecting off of the crowd and like you can hear the crowd start to bubble up 
And it's, it's something that you you get in MSG, even from home in a way that you don't in a lot of other venues where that rhythmic type of jamming, when the band is into it, oh man, it's just like everybody in the room is completely connected in such a cool way. And they just know that the band is locked in on very simple musical ideas, but to end up there after stash is just, it's super impressive. So I love that. Um, let's jump into set two. Yeah. All right. Um, so we opened set two with a rock version of Sigma Oasis. This is one of those, this and Lonely Trip to me are like, these are like the pandemic anthems from Fish totally. in a lot of cases. You know, they speak to the vibe of it. And um, I thought it was really appropriate for them to open up this second set with this song, um, which then moves into what I would consider the highlight of the show, the, the Down with Disease. But yep. what were you guys' thoughts? Let's let's take Sigma, Down with Disease. The Howling, Twist, and Mountains. The first five songs. This all feels like a suite of music to me. Um, Kevin, what were your thoughts on this? Um, down with Disease. Um, I find uh, since they came back, Trey has started ending songs. Like Ghosts still come back and end. <laughs> down with Disease. And every time it's a goddamn train wreck. <laughs> they, they just, you know, they need to jam another two or three minutes, get back into the vibe before they hit the end, because it just seems like Trey's like, all right, let's get to the end of this. I want to do the ending. Boom. And, um, you know, but that disease was beautiful. It had all those great places in it. It was uh, expansive. And I'm uh, I was floored by that when disease is for me is, yeah, disease, you know, it's always huge. So it takes a lot to make me walk away and say, wow, that one was extra special. Yeah. Disease is, um, it's, it's this song that, yeah, disease is like the feeling that everybody gets, you know, um, it's like cheese, (laughs) like there's cheese everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's cheese on sandwiches. There's cheese on pizza. There's cheese and pasta. Like you can almost take it for granted, but then like you have like a really good piece of cheese and you're like, Holy shit. Like I'm so thankful that animals make this and I can eat it and I can put it on crackers. I can. That is no you got there. I love this analogy. <laughs> yeah, this you know what I mean? But like, it's going. just like you overlook it. It's down with disease. Like, Oh yeah. It's going to open like every third second set that I see. Yeah. But when it clicks, like last night, you're just like, thank you for writing this song and for, for, for tuning in, like for, for allowing this song to course through you guys in, in the best way possible. Meg, you texted me this morning. I think you were 10, 11 minutes into the jam and you were like, this is beautiful. And I totally agree. Like that segment right there, but tell me your thoughts on this. Cause this, you know, you get the shock jam of Karini, but like, this is like the jam vehicle placed in a, in the proper place. Yeah. First of all, I love Sigma Oasis. To me, that was like, I listened to that album on repeat in early 2020 when it came out. So to me, it's just, it just hits somewhere good for me. But this Down With Disease, when they started it, I remember like a total dork. I was like, we're going to need to clear some space. Like I was like ready to like get down. I actually think I said that, which is like kind of actually really embarrassing, but you know what? It worked. I got some space. So we really got down so hard. And this jam is awesome. It's beautiful. It's melodic. It. I felt like last night, a lot of their jamming, they were getting to sections that sounded really composed. It, it was really pretty. 
it was like really soulful and transcendent a lot of times. And I think that um, it was really more positive, like really like I was, I always joke like it, but it really is like, was like love and light last night. I think Trey felt a lot of gratitude for being back there. And there's just something about that room and it, it's like the roundest room and it, there's just something encompassing about it. And when you're on the floor and you look up, you can see everybody's faces when the light hits right, like behind the stage, you can actually like see people. And that's just so magical and makes you feel so connected. And the lights hit people's faces. And and it's just, I think that like there are moments in, in the show that I just felt like super blissed out. And I think that this down with disease was one of those moments where I just, the way that the music was coming through was gorgeous. And I, this into the howling was my highlight of the show for sure. The howling just came perfectly out of that down with disease, the down with disease kind of like fizzled. And then the howling just like kind of like built up and it's still a new enough song where it takes me a minute where I'm like, what, what is this again? And then it, I'm like, Oh, awesome. And it was just, I mean, I haven't seen fish live since Atlantic city. So I haven't seen any of this stuff. So this was my first howling. And it was just, I mean, I mentioned it before earlier, but again, it was real disco party. It was just, this is exactly how I like my fish. Like I'm a 1.0 1997 fish girl. Like I like my funk. I like, you know, I like to get down. Like this is, this was it. So for me, I'm a totally converted to howling, like top of the list now. Like that was that point of the show. I was like, they're, they're locked in. And I think twist that segue, we mentioned it, but it was, perfect. It was really beautiful, really, really nicely done. And then I think an awesome cool down to Mountains in the Mist. I know maybe people are saying it wasn't the most perfectly played, but I didn't hear it. I was, I was riding the bliss vibes. I was riding the MSG love. So it was a great beginning to that set. I thought those first five songs were beautiful. I wrote my notes just regarding the twist segue twist is such a great song to stumble on in the middle of set two. And I, I love when you hear them segue into it in an unexpected way. Cause it's kind of that moment where you're like, like time really becomes a flat circle at that point. You're like, when you, when you're like, Oh my God, we're in twists, like we're out of a jam. And like, it sounds like a jam itself. And you know, this idea of we've been doing whatever activity it is to get us to and be in the fish show for probably eight to 10 hours by the middle of the second set. Like whatever you've done to go to the fish show, like you've been doing that activity. You've been prepping since like one o'clock in the afternoon, even if you had to work ahead of time. And so to then stumble into twists, it's kind of the moment where like, it, it just comes full circle that yeah, we're at a fish show and almost anything is possible. And it's one of those songs that when they start to play it, it feels just so right middle of the second set. Even, even when it's played earlier in the show, you're just like, Oh my God. Like, I don't know. There's, there's something so late night and seedy to me about twist in a way that I just love, but it's greasy. Um, it's greasy. It's, it's very that. greasy. It's, yeah. It's, yeah it, it sounds like two o'clock in the morning. Like, it's got such a groove to it that you would only stumble upon late at night. But yeah, I share everything you said, like the disease touched upon things that I love in, like I want in any fish jam, there was this kind of weird kind of um, post-rock tortoisey type of jam about eight to 10 minutes in. And then we move into this bliss zone and then it's kind of this bubbly groove that, I don't want to be blasphemous here to anyone, but like it, it reminded me at times of uh, Reading 
the the down disease from Reading, where it's like this bubbly groove that can almost just like emerge into a heroic peak. I don't think the peak was as heroic as we got um, at Reading, but it did emerge into this like heroic moment of like, oh my God, this is it. This is where we're back. This is the home court vibe. Um, I thought the howling was a great call in the slot that it was in. That's the point where you put a new song that's going to rock people at that point in time. Um, and it felt like they got into a really cool hypnotic groove. Trey was cheesing, not to bring up any more cheese analogies, but like he was <laughs> smiling ear to ear. I love um, cheese, Brian. I'm here for these analogies. I'm, I, anything I can do to talk about cheese, I'm into it. We're going to do a fish and cheese podcast. Um, <laughs> Ryan. I want to give you a chance. Um, yeah. What were your thoughts on the disease? What were your thoughts on the howling? And, and you know, you, you had such great thoughts earlier in the show about Paige. Anything that you noticed that he was doing during these jams to add to it? Oh, I, I've got lots. We'll start starting with the Sigma <laughs> Oasis. I don't want to skip over that. Um, you know, Megan mentioned Leaves having that kind of classic rock ballad vibe. You know, Sigma Oasis is that classic rock song vibe. You know, it, it's it's... It, it really sounds like a classic rock tune. I really right there with just, you. I, I really it. love the song. Love you know, it. I, it's just it's a great tune. I was really happy. You know, my first time seeing it live, um, and I, you know, I think this was the first time of the night. It happened a couple of times during the second set where I really think Paige was interested in jamming it out. You know, he's moving over to the synths. He was he was on the roads for a lot of. Uh, the Sigma jam, which just sounded so nice. I, you know, I absolutely love the way uh, the road sounds. Um, but, you know, it sounded to me like he was trying to push it in a new direction, kind of like, you know, where the Dicks one went. And I'm really hoping we get, you know, more jammed out Sigma Oasis, uh, Sigma Oasis. Is that, is that the, the that's plural? the plural. Yeah. That's, that's the, plural? the proper plural take. Okay. The Oasis. <laughs> Never heard um, of more than one Oasis. So. It's usually one thing that comes singularly. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Um, it's not a you know, show. There's more than one Oasis, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> the show is the Oasis. Um, so I just thought it was, it was interesting to hear, you know, Trey, uh, sorry, Paige seemed to try to want to want to push it in a new direction. And Trey was kind of like, save that for the disease, basically. Um, I thought, yeah, there, there was a couple of minor flubs in disease, um, nothing that couldn't be forgiven based on the jam. Um, you know, Kev, to your point about them finishing songs, I feel like they don't finish disease that often still. Um, and so I think it's still a novelty. I mean, despite the fact that the drop back into the ending was a little bit rocky, I was very excited because it's my first time seeing uh, a finished disease. Um, I absolutely love when they find their way back. Uh, at the end, you know, a really good example of them doing it really well recently after Jam uh, 9118, I believe, at Dick's. Um, yeah. That one is really, really great, like 18 minutes or so. Uh, they get a nice jam, and then they find their way back to the ending really, really well. But this jam, yeah, more just page on the roads action, major key, major key uh, groove, just absolutely uplifting. Uh, Fishman being absolutely relentless yet again you know, standing out. Um, and it was just going and going and going. And then, you know, Trey just, just very subtly started building it up. And then they reached that like peak, uh, towards the end. And then, yeah, he got a little overexcited and went back into the ending. Um, you know, a little bit. It's definitely something that they rehearse, like would be tight, but like, 
I kind of don't want them to rehearse it because I want that <laughs> unknown of like most times down with disease is going to be unfinished. Yeah. And it's going to segue into another song. And I'd rather have that element of surprise where if they're going to come back into it, yes, it, it's rough and it's not something that you'd put down in a studio, but it, it, it's surprising when they finish it now, you know, it's this back and forth of, um, when they do actually finish it, you're like, Oh my God, like that was a finished disease after 21 minutes mm -hmm. when they don't, it's, it's kind of the standard at this point in time. And it, and it leads to more magic in the second set, but you know, it's, it's the eternal back and forth of like, do we want fish to practice more so that they're tighter or do we want them to be loose and allow just like ideas and creativity to come out? Um, I don't think that like they're number two. Number two is kind of where I'm at. Like that's, that's to me the show, but you know, and, and I don't think that what they played last night was in any way, uh, you know, on par with like how they played at their sloppiest in like 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I oh, think that ultimately no, that's, that's like offensive. I, yeah, I don't think we can <laughs> we're not comparing last night to 2.0. We're just, well, no, I, I just last night to the, the, you know, the last time they did an April run. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean that like, you know, there, there are different eras of, of, of fish where like you have these super tight periods where like they're incredibly, uh, heavily rehearsed and, and, and they're rehearsing bleeds over to the stage where the, where the show is, is very tight and slightly mm -hmm. contrived. Um, but then there's other moments where like they, they don't rehearse and they kind of just go up on stage and, and, and allow the show to like, let itself happen. Last mm -hmm. night felt more like a happy medium to me of a band that the emotions really got to them. The energy really got to them as a result of that. There were a few missed changes, but there was also a show that as I think we're all breaking down here over the last, you know, hour and change, we all kind of walked away from thinking that's a really great moment. That's a really great moment. I can't wait to see how they build upon that going forward. Um, yeah. Anyone have any final thoughts about the, the first half of the second set, or do you guys want to move into the, the conclusion? Just want Ryan to mention, has thoughts. I yes. just want to mention, I always, I always have thoughts. You do. <laughs> uh, you I do. just want to mention about mountains in the mist. Um, you know, that's a song that always kind of slips beneath my radar. I love it so much, oh, so but good. I forget that it exists sometimes. And then I hear it, like it comes up on shuffle or something. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I love this song. Mm -hmm. So I was so happy to hear it last night. It was like, I, I think it worked really well on the second set ballad slot. They took their time with it. It was mellow and the crowd seemed pretty attentive um, for it. I just, I, I loved it. I, I thought that was great. And, you know, Howling into Twist was fantastic. It's my favorite fish ballad and uh, it took me like 75 shows to see it. So I'm, I'm very happy to, to get it anytime. You're right. It's, it's, it's rare. I think it's only been played like 35, 40 times. It's, it's like 99 is the, the most appearances for it when it debuted. Um, let's jump into the conclusion of the show here. So we had Reba and drift while you're sleeping, closing out set two. Um, I, I will just come out with it. I think the only song they should not have played last night was Reba. Um, I love Reba. This is not a call against Reba. I will hear Reba at any show. I just, the way they were playing last night, I was like this late in the show playing a really complicated composed song. I don't know guys. And I feel like I'm justified based on the way that the performance was the jam yeah. was beautiful, but the actual composed section was really, really rough, like really, really rough. I think at one point Trey just stopped playing altogether. Um, the jam was beautiful. The jam was beautiful. As Jonathan's saying, I'm currently on drugs, which, you know, 
nobody can prove or disprove. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm doing this remotely, guys. Okay? Oh my god, I love you, Jonathan. Um, Shout out I to Sunset right. Lake CBD for supplying <laughs> his drugs. Seriously, it's that mellow body high. It's getting you, Brian. I do, <laughs> I do want to just say, I thought the way to close out the set of two composed songs, one that's very old and one that's very new, was a very cool call. I, I dug that from a set listing standpoint. I can understand that the energy may have dropped off a bit based on having two of those in the back. That's kind of one of the things I've heard just, just through the the um, – the, over the grapevine, over the cheese vine, if you will. Um, but you know, I thought it was, I thought it was an interesting, uh, call to end the overall show. Um, Ryan Walker agrees with me for different reasons. He's coming into town tomorrow. He thinks they should have waited on Reba. I'm right there with you, Ryan. Thank you for backing me up. Um, I'll open it to the floor. What did you guys think of the end of the second set here and the encore of gumbo and slave? Reba was a troll. Reba was definitely a troll. It had to be. And I am not a Drift While You're Sleeping person. I think Drift While You're Sleeping lyrics needed to have somebody else look at them before Trey recorded them. I just, I cringe when I hear it. I don't know. I mean, Reba, I think to your point, it was definitely a little rough. Um, but again, you're just, you know, again, you're getting a Reba, you know, like you're still right. getting that. Yeah, and they so whistled. Like, yes. They whistled, and we got the whistle. They whistled. Which yes. I always like, you know, and I, and again, there's two songs that have those bliss moments in them that I just again, it stick it right in my veins because yeah. it takes me to the most beautiful place in the world, and that's the hood bliss, and that's the Reba bliss, and okay. I I can never get enough of that. And knowing the Reba bliss is coming as soon as they start that song, I'm like, I don't even care. Just do what you got to do and get me to the bliss, you know? And then you get to that bliss and no matter what it is, no matter if it's good or it's still bliss and you're still there and you're yeah. still going. And I even had two chompers, two rows behind me talking during bliss. And I'm like, how can you talk during this part of the song? Like, this is insane to <laughs> oh. me, but it didn't oh, let him ruin my moment. I stayed in my moment and stayed clear and just thought I'm standing here. And it's just, it's that thing, you know, it's, it's just that whole set, you know, like we were saying, like, I got there with down with disease for, you know, for whatever reason, that one just kicked me in the butt last night. It really got into me. That twist was phenomenal that I just got down with. Um, Howling, of course, is, I love that it's out now and we're going to hear that more. And it's, you know, thank God, like, let's bring that in more. And that Reba, yeah, but the bliss was still there. And I am, I'm not going to go into it because I've talked about it at nauseum before, but I am not a drift while you're sleeping fan either. I, it's just not for me. I, I appreciate the people that love it. I appreciated watching the floor get down and really get into Trey there at the end. And I appreciate Trey doing all he could to jam that thing out at the end and really get that emotional, you know, energy going with the crowd and stuff at the end. And the, you know, when the lights, the white lights hit and it's, you know, move through and everyone's going, it's great. I love the energy. I love the people that love that song. It's just not for me. It's just not personally my, my day. I don't like closing a set with it. I don't like it in an encore spot. I don't like it. It's just not for me. It's too much. So that said, it wasn't the greatest way to close the show. Mm -hmm. Whatever. We'll move on from that. Gumbo. I feel like gumbo, when you get a stash, you get a gumbo sometimes. It's like when you get like uh, mercury, sand or steam. You know what I mean? Like I feel like there's songs that kind of connect. So I wasn't shocked that we got that gumbo. I was a little shocked with the way they played it. It felt like very truncated and yeah. very short it was like okay we're gonna do a double encore but let's do a gumbo and you're like why would you do that just jam the gumbo out and give me a you know like a karini 20 minute encore gumbo but 
you know, respected them for doing the double and, you know, I'm not going to complain about it because they still closed it beautifully. So, you know, it's kind of where I was at the end of the show. And again, I can't beat MSG. You know, you, you walk out of that place going, I can't fucking wait for tomorrow night. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So they beat you <laughs> with that and that's how it should be. So I felt the same right. way during the Reba. I, I feel like Reba's always worth the price of admission, even if it's not perfect. Like mm-hmm. my friend, we were on the floor and she just grabbed my hand and she's like, the lights are coming. Here it is. And it's just that blue and pink light and it just blasted us on the floor and we were just squeezing each other's hands and we were like you know like when do you get to feel joy like this with twenty five thousand people like you're fucking welcome you know like this is like we are in a world right now where like so much is so fucking terrible and like here we are sorry i'm swearing a lot but like here we are in like the positivity and we're like just generating joy communally like this is a total gift. And I just felt really like happy to be there and happy to get a Reba and happy to be in, in that space. And I'm going to oppose you on the strip while you're sleeping thing. I completely hear what you're saying about the lyrics. I actually get it. But during the pandemic, I was like driving to get groceries while I was like quarantined. And I was so sad about everything. And I heard that song and I was like sobbing in the car. And I just, there is just something about Trey when he's like super raw and emotional that I find really authentic and humbling and appreciative that as an artist, you can say things that sometimes might sound cheesy, but are actually truly heartfelt. And to bring that and put that out there out of yourself takes courage on a level that it's, it's next level, honestly. And he's just being so raw and I love it. And I'm here to, cheese out together, Brian, and, you know, hug each other and be thankful that we're moving through stormy weather together. So I well, to your point, to, to your point with that, I will say that it is impressive to see the growth of them, you know, like when you take 1.0 and what they were yes. and the lyrics and the compositions and you're like, this is, but that's the band I fell in love with was that kind of, you know, fish. So to see them grow and evolve into this, it really is a beautiful thing to see him writing such serious lyrics and being so heartfelt <laughs> with this, you know, with all of that. So it, I, I understand it. I totally understand people that get it. I love it. I love, you know, I love, I love, I love seeing people connect with songs like that. It's fantastic. My, 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 personally. Thing, my whole thing is though that lyric for that song is the parable without the story. I want the story. I want to listen to something 50 times the lyric and still be like, Oh, wow. I never realized that before. That's my, just as, yeah. as coming from being a writer. To me, that's my big hang-up with something. You're also like right. Like I'm, I'm a deadhead too, and like I think that that's something the Grateful Dead, like Robert Hunter, you know, they were yeah. like they excelled at in a way that's. If you have that background, like I, I do too, and I appreciate that because I think that, like, you know, Hunter, they were telling stories in a way that was so nuanced and so poetic, and I think that like Fish has has never reached some of those depths yeah. lyrically, but um. But, but that's I, also not the point. Also, like, yeah. you know, when Tom's writing lyrics for songs, he's not writing smegma, dogmatogram, fish market stew with the intention that it has some not. deep emotional meaning. Right. It's the because rhythm we want to just also sometimes we just want to rock and we just want to like get down and dance yeah. and be funky. And that's why fish is so different from the Grateful Dead and also like my generation's music and what I've connected with the most deeply because like, Fish is much more my soul in that way because it is about having fun. Mm-hmm. So, right, hopefully, not, hopefully not my soul, my soul. But, but we won't uh, that song because we know you don't like it, Brian. 
<laughs> but I, I actually, I, I had a dream last night that they played that in the middle of the second set tonight. Everybody <laughs> was not happy. So hopefully, it's uh, not a good dream, Ryan. Don't have those dreams. <laughs> control those dreams. Um, this discussion, I think, is really fascinating. I want to just really quickly pause and thank everyone for having a spirited discussion about disagreements around very nuanced aspects of music, which doesn't often happen. I think the the middle ground thought that I have, because I agree with both sides uh, on this, which I know is, that is the phrase we try to stay away from as much as possible in this world. So I understand. But here's, here's my thought, just to offer a slight middle ground. Um, because I think Trey from a lyrical standpoint, there has been such incredible evolution and saying things like what he says in, um, in drift while you're sleeping, love will carry us through. It's, it's a, it's a platitude in a lot of cases. It's a hallmark card in a lot of cases, but it's also true. And and it's also like, if, you know, the, the way that Trey has approached recovery and life, you know, over the last 15 years, those types of phrases, like, those statements of truth, you have to say it and put it into existence to actually live it. And in some cases it can come across apologies for the the use of this phrase throughout this podcast, but it can come across really cheesy and very earnest. But, but at the end of the day, like if you say it and you act upon it, it's a very powerful thing. Um, so I think in one sense, like him saying it there, I totally agree with you, Megan. There's a ton of courage there. I think Kevin, to your point, Drift While You're Sleeping is one of those songs that works really well in the context of Ghost of the Forest, where it's placed, how it sets up the rest of the story, how it sets up, you know, what what we're looking for from that overall story of experiencing a close friend of yours dying and and trying to come to uh, this this acceptance that love will carry us through because I, I'll see you on the other side. At some point, we're all going to be reu- reunited if, if you believe in this idea of, a, of an afterlife. And there's so much of that that like Trey is speaking about. So I think one of the challenges of Drift While You're Sleeping is they, they've removed it from that story and said, hey, this is now a new second yeah. set closing encore compositional piece. And it's hard to throw that into the larger context of a fish show, which is why I think you're absolutely right. You get the parable without the story. You know, mm-hmm. you you just get the statement in that context. But if you listen to it and go to the forest, you're like, okay, I, I understand sure, the yeah. larger context to this. So definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I, that's I, my I, attempt at being a, a moderate in this conversation. No, that's I, great. I think, that's great. Great breakdown. That's it. really good. Yeah. I, I think I'm also going to, you know, take the more moderate route because, I mean, I think as most people know, I, I we haven't allowed the man whose podcast is he's had to listen to all of this for the last ten minutes. Ryan, what do you have to say? So, well, so also this was my first time seeing Drift While You're Sleeping since I started the podcast. Oh man, I was wearing my We Move Through Stormy Weather shirt last night. I was like. Um, but, um, you know, putting Reba in that slot in the second set, I definitely, um, you know, it was my first time seeing Reba live. So I was really excited, um, you know, to finally be able to experience Reba live. I will say I was hoping for something more along the lines of like a Piper in that slot. I think, you know, allocating that 14, 15 minutes, um, to a Piper jam would have been a better use, especially if you're going to close the set with something like drift while you're sleeping, um, you know, save Reba for a first set, um, later in the run. Um, but I think, you know, despite how sloppy the composed section was, and I'm pretty sure I've heard worse from them, uh, you know, in the last five or six years, 
Um, but I, I was actually shocked at how much page flubbed, um, which doesn't usually happen. Um, but they really redeemed themselves during the jam. It was like, it seemed much more patient than they take it, uh, or they have, you know, again, a lot in recent years. Um, more incredible roads work from Paige on this jam. Just so beautiful. Trey just soaring. And, you know, at the end, like I think a lot of people noticed, Trey looked to Fishman to cue the ending, but Fishman missed the cue. But luckily, like it didn't, you know, it didn't throw them off at all. Trey just went around again and just kept soloing. So I'm, I'm glad that that didn't trip them up and we got a, you know, a little bit extra of that. Drift While You're Sleeping, I think, works a lot better as a first set closer. You know, second mm-hmm. set closer, I think, something like Antelope, um, you know, or, or like a Bowie, you're looking for something with a little more meat to it, um, where songs like Character Zero, Julia, stuff like that would, are better um, first set. I, you know, I think the beginning of Drift While You're Sleeping definitely kind of sucked some of the energy out of the room. But I think at the end, when they hit the, you know, the final, we moved through stormy weather stuff in the peak, you know, looking down from the chase bridge at everyone, it looked like the majority of people were like dancing, getting into it, having a great time. Um, you know, it, it's something like when they play more, you know, people have their problems with the song or like everything's right or something. People are like, oh, the lyrics are cheesy, whatever. But at the end of the day, when they're like getting to that rocking ending, people are singing it along like and it's just it's great to see. You know, it, it's it's a high energy moment and you can tell like the band's loving it. Trey, big smile, like, you know, all of it. And for the encore, again, another one of those moments during Gumbo, uh, which, first of all, I love the song. So my much. First time seeing it live. Um, that's one of the few songs also that they haven't um, brought back the jams from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they've brought back like Hallie's, whatever. Haley's, I always mispronounce it. Um, but Gumbo, you know, it seemed Paige was moving over to the Whirly and the Synth a little bit um, when they started jamming, but Trey was kind of having none of it um, and cued him for his piano solo, which I was I was a little bit um, sad about. Put him in his place like, right there. Yeah. Oh, he Paige was like moving over to the Synth and everything, and then Trey was just like, and piano solo. And He just stopped playing little... and said, look at the time, guys. We got we to gotta go. We got yeah. we got late night reservation for sushi after this. We got to get out of here. <laughs> Come on. Um, and then, you know, Slave, again, a little bit of a, a disconnect on some of the composed part. I think they hit the ending a little bit um, off, but, you know, it was Slave, and I'm not going to complain about seeing a Slave encore. It was still beautiful and a great way to end the show. Yeah, I was thinking about with Slave that and I, I just pulled up the stats on Fishnet. Um, three versions to close out 2021, the 1016, 1023, and 1231 were all in the first set. And it was mm. um, uh, it's a very rare song uh, to be in the first set. Prior to that, the, the last first set version was the Very Strange Show Opening version from Dix 2016. Um, and before that, we're talking about 2012 was the last time that it was played in the first set um, before 2016. So we got these last two versions last night, as well as 226 were encore slots. You know, a song that we, we have a great comment here. 
no slot rules. This is what Slave did and that what Fish did so well throughout 2021. There were no rules about like this song should be in quotes here, but no, we're just going to throw it here. That blissful, reflective vibe that you get from a Slave jam usually comes mm-hmm. in the encore like it did last night where you're like, oh man, what a night. What an experience. Cannot wait to come back again tomorrow. You would get that in the middle of the first set. It's really cool to see a song like that come back to this spot where that reflection, you know, even again, I'm not, I'm in my, I'm on my back patio, hanging out outside, listening to this show. And I'm still getting that vibe of like, all right, that was a great night. We're leaving. And now we're going to come back again. Um, so I thought, I thought, yes, gumbo, you know, take it to another level, make it a nine, 10 minute version, jam it a bit. But to have gumbo be this kind of random call in the, in the encore followed by a very traditional encore slot. I thought it was a good closing to the first night of the MSG 2022 run. Some people are calling it the 2021 run. I'm calling it the 2022 run. It is April, 2022 guys. The Knicks are out of the playoffs. You can take your pick with merch too. You can you can buy the the December merch, the April merch. <laughs> I just have to say too that my friend and I actually manifested that gumbo because I was at the show last night with a friend and she played me sometime over quarantine. She came to my house and we were so sad about missing shows and she reminded me about the Boise ninety nine gumbo and Ooh. we played it on my deck and just danced so hard and I, we were just like oh like gumbo like this song can just just hit so deep and when fishman came out just swinging in the show i was like we're gonna get a gumbo because like we're gonna hear those big bass drops from him those big just booms and i was so happy so when they encore with that we just looked at each other and we were like this is for us so maybe not the best version but i'll take it and honestly ending a show with slave like it's beautiful and i think they played one in 2030 19 too and it's just there's nothing like hearing a slave ever, even if it's not perfect. It's beautiful. Well, shout out to listener Neil Landry who's had some great comments throughout the show on the thread of set placement. Reba was only the second set to Reba since 2015. Lots of non-traditional blissed out vibes on the back end of the show. I think that that's a lot of it. That's cool. That's crazy. Shout out to Neil. Neil. Um, I, I think that there was, there's a lot to, like what we've talked about over the last 90 minutes, which was last night was emotional and it was, it was an emotional show for the band. It was an emotional show for a lot of fans. And that's where you get some of the slop, but that's also where you get these really cool non-traditional moments of like the Reba bliss 20 minutes later, the slave bliss, you know, earlier in this, like the first part of the show is all about adrenaline and energy. And you get that with Karini leading into a 19 minute jam. Um, I want to go around uh, rapid fire. Megan, jam of the night for you. Down with disease and into the howling. Just have to put that in there because that was that was the peak for that's, me. That's part of it. The howling is part mm-hmm. of it. Kevin, jam of the night for you. Uh, I would go with the Karini possum. That was a moment. Travis, jam of the night for you. I go with the down with the disease just because it got me where I wanted to get to, and I, you know, got down hard for that one. So that was mine. Ryan, how about you? Uh, down with disease as well. And I'm predicting that tonight is tweezer night. I'm making Ooh. that call now. Ooh. It's 1230. It's 1230. 1230. It's 1230. You know, it's, always it's, good. It's, it's coming. 
And they, they dropped Karini and Disease last night. Like That's true. Tweezer's coming. Tweezer's coming. <laughs> I think I think uh I think I'm gonna go with disease as well. Karini Possum, amazing call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and that like man, I was just when they started jamming, I just texted two of my friends who who were there and I was like, Don't text me back, but holy shit, they're already jamming. And <laughs> I didn't get a text for like forty five minutes because I think they were just like you know, levitating at that point in time. But mm-hmm. um, Kevin, Travis, Ryan, thank you all for joining us. This was an awesome, awesome conversation. Uh, I really appreciate it. Jonathan just just uh, uh, chatted in with MoMA Jam. We got a stash. Yes. Yes. I mean, there were a lot of riches last night. Uh, uh, almost an embarrassment, I will say. And I think uh, if you go and you make a playlist of the highlights of last night's show, you're, you're talking about like an hour and 20 minutes worth of music, which is a really mm-hmm. cool thing. Um, but Kevin, Travis, Ryan, thank you guys for hanging out. You all three are welcome back at any time on HF Pod. Thank we you love so what much. you guys do on Wook Plus. We love what you do on uh, um, uh, We We. We moved through stormy weather. I'm so sorry. It's such a mouthful of a great podcast. It's an amazing show. Highly recommend it. And Ryan, thank you for your keyboard breakdown. You guys all enjoy your day. Get some rest. Get some food. Drink some water. I'm acting like your dad right now. I apologize. I drink. You know, my, you know what? My dad's not here right now. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope to meet all of you guys in person. I'll be at the Osiris happy hour today if you're going to come by. I will be. Yes, you guys I would should just like all to shout uh, out um, Groove Safe ahead. also. Yes. Um, go visit her table. I will be at the Groove Safe table uh, with Ashley tonight, uh, pre-show. Um, so come say hi. It's a great place to awesome. go. I'll try to come awesome. by you, Ryan. And yes, thanks for having us. This was in awesome. the uh, train hall. That's where the Osiris uh, pre-show hang will be today. So you guys all make your way over there. But yeah, have a great night tonight. Thank you guys. Thank this you was for fun. Thanks, guys. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Nice seeing you guys. Absolutely. Have a great show. Later. All right, Meg. Did we do it? We did it. That was awesome. That was fun. That, that was, was really fun. fun. Um, any last thoughts as we move into night two of the run? I don't think so. Just that I'm so excited. And it was nice to hear that so many people appreciated all those great moments. Yeah. yeah. And I it's, actually um, think that we should probably someday, Ryan, Brian, do like a show where we compare each song to a type of cheese. I'm into it. Okay. That's all that's going to require a lot of taste testing, but I'm I'm very into it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we will be will be great. <laughs> we will be back tomorrow at the same time, 1 p.m. Eastern to break down tonight's show, 421 MSG Night 2. We are going to be welcoming Lucy Montgomery who is on Twitter at Lucy Montgomery, as well as someone who I've been wanting to talk to for literally years. And I am really excited to have on, which is Mike Lowe, who is on Twitter at Mike Lowe, Mike Lowe TPT. Um, I think I have that right. Um, there also may be a guest appearance by um, one, Mr. David Goldstein. We're still trying to figure out if that is going to work out. My former co-host from beyond the pond, as well as the drop um, who is seeing his first fish shows since MSG 2019 right now. So he is, he is on cloud cloud 19, just like you, Megan. Um, yeah, awesome. <laughs> 
So it'll be a packed show. We got a lot of people coming on. At some point, RJ is going to come through. I'm hoping at some point, Jonathan's going to come through. We got a lot of uh, Osiris people at these shows that we want to get their perspective on. But we'll be back tomorrow, Friday, April 22nd, to break down tonight's show. Um, Meg, do you want to tell us before we leave about our sponsor? Absolutely. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm. They're located just outside of Burlington, Vermont. And for years, Sunset Lake was a dairy farm. They produced milk for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And in 2019, they diversified and they started growing hemp for CBD. So Sunset Lake CBD embraces Vermont's tradition for land stewardship by using sustainable and regenerative farming techniques. They build and protect healthy soils. They're 100% pesticide-free, use minimal tillage, and they implement cover crops and crop rotations. As if that wasn't enough, they also serve as a research farm for the University of Vermont's agronomists to study hemp and inform best industry practices. I will be relying on CBD heavily to get me through this very long, torturous weekend of fish. <laughs> so I'll be eating CBD gummies to fall asleep, maybe taking some tincture, maybe smoking some flour to relax. So I would encourage everyone to check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com. And you can use the coupon, coupon code HFPOD. You get 20% off your whole entire order, and it will come really fast, too. They have amazingly quick shipping. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont grown. And I also want to tell you about our other sponsor for today, Cash or Trade, the only secondary ticketing market where fans buy, sell, and trade tickets at face value. You're able to DM each other before, during, and after a transaction and rate and review each other when the transaction is complete so that you know that you're working with a good, honest person. No added fees to sell your tickets, and all sales are fully protected by Cash or Trade's trader protection policy, which guarantees your money back. Users can avoid purchase fees with a gold membership subscription. Visit Cash or Trade to learn more. And with that, we are going to bid you all farewell. Um, Meg, how are you getting ready for tonight's show? I guess that's the last thing we should we should cover. Well, there's been a lot of talk of a disco nap. Now, I am not a napper. I just have to tell you, I'm not a napper. My mind just races. I'm kind of a go, go, go person. But my girlfriends just are getting back to the room, and we're really going to try to do like a disco nap. We didn't get a lot of sleep. So that's our plan. But it'll probably be mildly successful. Look, Shana's getting into bed right now. Get ready. I I fully support it. I the last time I did a big run was in the fall, and I stayed up far too late and didn't take a nap before the forum show, and I paid for it. You don't want you don't want to lose momentum halfway through the show. No, you got to stay rested. So that's my plan, and then I'm going to be at this Osiris happy hour. So I'm excited. Wonderful. We'll say hi to all of our good friends and uh, enjoy it. I will be watching the show from afar, and I will look forward to uh, covering this with you again here tomorrow afternoon. Take care, everyone. Have a great night, too. Thanks, Brian. Bye, everybody.
Osiris. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.